It's the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America. The National Security Hour exposes the wolves in sheep's clothing and their nefarious plots to undermine and destroy U.S. national security. Welcome, everyone. This is Colonel Rhett John on the National Security Hour for America Out Loud News Network. And tonight I have a, a, a very special guest, uh, Dr. Uh, Andy uh, Bostom. And he's a, an accomplished, uh, he's both a medical doctor, but he also has done some uh, ex- very excellent research and uh, is authored uh, multiple times uh, on kind of we, we would call it the, the, the green red thread and it's just Islamic anti-Semitism so fascinating topic so Andy say welcome to the show thank you so much for being on the show good to be with you all right uh, well Andy well go ahead uh, I always like to have everybody just tell a little bit about themselves how did you become you and uh, where your journey from where you started to, to where you're at today well, I mean, so so my serious study of Islam began uh, right after 9-11. And um, it uh, it led to the publication of my first book, which was The Legacy of Jihad, because uh, I felt there was a need um, after after several years of study. I felt there was a need to um, to put what Al Qaeda had done in really its broad historical context and to. To, to do that, I actually had to go back. You know, there's a period, I would say, before 1950, um, when there was Western scholarship that was very unapologetic about Islam. Um, and it becomes increasingly more apologetic in, in, as you move into the 60s and certainly by the 70s. Um, so a lot of what I did at the beginning was rediscover these old, you know, much demonized <laughs> Orientalists who were just brilliant scholars of Islam in multiple languages. And I, I was I was privileged to bring a lot of their um, work into English from European languages, you know, for the, for the first time. Then there were also some texts that I wanted, uh, and mostly treatises about jihad by seminal Muslim jurists. Uh, some were still in Arabic, some in Farsi. Um, and, I, and I put those into the compendium. And then I synthesized the material at the beginning, gave a long uh, introduction, and then the rest of the book was basically uh, documents and translations. Um, and uh, the, the, my real interest was in what what was the plight of the non-Muslim populations that were conquered by all these jihad campaigns. Um, and um, so you have the triumphal Muslim narrative, which which is um, which is celebrating, you know, massacre, pillage. <laughs> rape, uh, enslavement, etc. And then you have when they survived the, the the chronicles of of the victims of these campaigns. And so you get you get a very uh, different narrative, obviously, from from the populations that were conquered. Um, and then and then you also I was introduced, uh, and she became a very close mentor to a scholar that had sort of synthesized. The study of of uh, the the Dimi people, the people that were that survived the 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 uh, the invasions and were given this uh, this basically humiliated status under Islam, so survival, uh, uh, paying the jizya, literally the tax paid in lieu of being slain, 
Um, but but what she pointed out, I think, uniquely was that it it really created its own civilization. And so I was really interested in 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 looking at these populations. Um, and they went across literally across the, the known world. Uh, so you you know, all the way out uh, west to the Iberian Peninsula and east into India. Uh, so you have a multitude of different cultures, uh, 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 Jews, Christians, Zoroastrians, uh, animists, Hindus, Buddhists. Uh, and, and, and the rules were strikingly similar. I mean, they had slight variation, but they were strikingly similar in terms of how the campaigns were waged and how Islamic law was imposed. And what moved me on to the study of Islamic anti-Semitism, that was my second book, The Legacy of Islamic Anti-Semitism, was I was reading uh, an anti-Hindu tract in a Muslim jurist from the Indian subcontinent who lived uh, during the 16th and early 17th century, uh, Sir Hindi, and he was a Sufi. And um, I, I could understand the anti-Hindu animus that, that was in his tract, um, but one line just jumped out at me. He said, whenever a Jew is killed, it is for the benefit of Islam. And it just literally stopped me in my tracks. And I, and I, tr I investigated further, and, and it was not really evident to me that he had any physical contact with Jews. So I, I, that, that sort of triggered uh, just a spark that, that the next work that I would uh, develop and, and, and you know, ultimately complete would be what, what was the source of that, of that animus? Um, and, and was it theological... Uh, in India, it obviously couldn't have been historical. <laughs> so, so, so. It, but in in studying the the theology for the second book, um, uh, it was just amazing to me how how uh, deeply anti-Semitic the core texts of Islam are: the Quran, the traditions of Muhammad, the early Muslim biographies of of Muhammad, um, and uh, even though it didn't always play out historically because the Jews were such a tiny minority. In other words, I think other populations, certainly in many periods of time, uh, Christians, Hindus in particular, were, were suffered the ravages worse uh, than, than the Jews. Theologically, the, the, the worst animus was always directed at the, at the Jews. Um, and, uh, and, this is, and again, this too was noticed by scholars, I would say pre-1950. There were a couple of really good Jewish scholars that had written about the anti-Semitic themes in the in the Quran and the traditions in particular, and and also the, the biographies of Muhammad, and that all that changed too. Yeah, you know, there's a, there was a great formulation of this Colonel uh, <laughs> that that I saw in 1974 by a by a Muslim scholar Maxime Rodanson, and he was lamenting the fact that already by then. He said the study of Islam, uh, particularly the, by the post-colonial left uh, and which dominated the academy, um, ha, uh, he said understanding has given way to apologetics, pure and simple. And this was already in 1974. And I think this had been a process that had been going on. But but he put it on he put it in paper on paper in a very important scholarly text called The Legacy of Islam. Uh, which also gave me the 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 idea for the titles of, of my first two books, the legacy of jihad and the legacy of Islamic anti-Semitism. Um, but it was it was another one of these striking things where here's a mainstream Islamologist, Orientalist, um, and he's noticing this uh, in in the 19, early 1970s. So it's it's obviously a phenomenon that's 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 been developed already. Uh, and, and again, I could notice it too. It was a, a, there was a, a much less apologetic literature pre-1950. 
Um, and um, uh, so I, I think that's that's had this 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 apologetics that's dominated the academy now for 50 years plus easily um, has, I think, has warped a lot of understanding of 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 Islam. When it, particularly when it comes to the dealing with with uh, Islam's impact on on non-Muslims and 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 then again on Jews in particular, uh, so um, but uh, it's um, it not not a lot has changed. <laughs> I mean, I did my work. I made my contribution. The legacy of Islamic anti-Semitism came out in two thousand eight. It was very it was very. Um, I got some excellent uh, reviews and, and endorsements. Um, and then I did an updated version in 2020. Um, but I would say that the understanding of Islamic anti-Semitism still hasn't advanced nearly the way it, it, it should have. Wow. Um, I mean, you know, so many things are going through my head, Andy, as we talk here. And <clears throat> I'm trying to comprehend and understand and i've worked with islamic officers uh, i've worked with uh, with israeli officers i've worked with both of them together they actually can get along very well their arch enemy is iran i've i've had to deal with islamic fanatics interrogations of islamic fanatics i'm just trying there's a I'm trying to get what is what is that source of the animus and why is there this difference between the a fanatical Islamic and then some of the other Islamic officers I've worked with and then you know in America we're a diverse country we have to be open right. to other other religions and things like that there's no no animus here but I'm trying to I'm trying to understand what, well, what do you think I, about this? I, I, I think it's I think it's top down and bottoms up. So I think the top down, which I think really needs to be confronted, and I don't see any sign of it yet, are the major Islamic teaching institutions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, for example, you know, after the the day of actually the carnage, the the Hamas's jihad carnage on October seventh, Al Azhar University. Uh, you know, which is really the pinnacle of Sunni Islam, Islamic religious education. I'm told that if you if you if you're a tourist in Cairo and you and you and a cab driver takes you to to, to Al Azhar to the university and the mosque, it's described as as the Vatican of of, of Sunni Islam, and its uh, its grand imams are like papal equivalents. I mean, it's not quite the same because Islam is more decentralized, um, but. Uh, so on October seventh, uh, the only the only uh, the only proclamation you got out of Al Azhar University was was quote praise for the Palestinian resistance, as if the atrocities had not happened. Um, within two weeks of that sort of public statement, there was a formal fatwa issued by Al Azhar University, an edict, uh, which said plainly that all Israeli lives, including obviously including non-combatants. Uh, were legitimate targets of jihad. And what's disturbing is that this goes virtually unnoticed, certainly by Westerners, by Western religious leaders, by Western political leaders, and there's no pushback. Can you imagine if Pope Francis had made a statement that, okay, we, it's time to you know reinstitute the Crusades 
and you know destroy the Jewish state. You know, mm -hmm. it it doesn't it 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 doesn't have a theological basis that we accept. And you know, we're 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 going to re up the Crusades. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I, I mean, this is this is really the equivalent of what Alazar says, and it just it 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 basically it basically gets no comment, no pushback, and so I think that's the. And then the grand imams themselves, the the current living, you know, grand imam uh, Ahmed Al Tayeb, on two occasions in 2013 and in 2017, has just sat down very quietly, matter of factly, on Egyptian national television during interviews, and said that uh, Quran 582, so the fifth the fifth surah chapter, the 82nd verse, which is a I like to refer to it as a as a as a, as a psychological transverse verse. Um, it, it it claims that the Jews harbor the greatest enmity towards the Muslims, but of course it's been used for a millennium now to incite re Islamic religious hatred against against Jews. And he, um, again, the current Grand Imam, in, on two occasions uh, in the last decade or so, has said that yes, that that verse defines fourteen hundred years of relations with the Jews and, and how much pain Jews slash Zionists, because they constantly conflate the two, um, have have caused uh, uh, Muslims. I mean, and and so, you know, I when I was when I was um, after my first book had been released on Jihad, I was invited to a counterterrorism conference in the Netherlands. And I remember at the time it was after it was after um, Theo van Gogh had been had been killed. And um, it was uh, we had to travel around in an armored bus. Uh, uh, but at the time, I got to meet um, uh, uh, Geert Wilders and I, mm. I made in touch with him over the years, uh, you know, and not not particularly close with him, but I've, I've met him on a number of occasions. And when when um, Ahmed al Tayeb made his gave that first interview, you know, again, basically uh, describing Quran 582 as the permanent way to define relations with with Muslims between Muslims and Jews. Um, I said I wrote to him and I said, you know, could you comment on this and could you condemn it? Because I can't no one's you know, no one's saying anything about this. And and here it is, is a good student of Islam. So not only did he comment directly, you know, he wrote a public letter addressed to Ahmed Al-Tayeb, he, he, he asked Pope Francis to condemn it. And, you know, nothing happened. But, it, but that was the only time I've seen a politician respond that way and, and, and offer a public condemnation of this, I don't know what else to call it, other than sacralized hatred <laughs> coming out of a mainstream uh, teaching institution. And so, and I think I think this is this this the bottoms up. I think comes from local mosques. I mean, the Middle East Media Research uh, Institute has been canvassing even just since post October seventh mosques in this country, and they've they've now in, in, investigated hundreds and hundreds of sermons and lectures. You know, since October seventh, and uh, last week they published a report and they said they cannot find a single sermon that condemns the atrocities committed on October 7th. Wow. And, and they can wow. find numerous instances of all kinds of Quranic motifs, motifs from the uh, traditions of Muhammad uh, being invoked to incite hatred. That, that, that they can find galore, but they cannot find a single sermon condemning what Hamas did on, on October 7th. So to me, that's the sort of bottoms up phenomenon. And the other thing is we see it in polling data. 
So the Anti-Defamation League, which I, you know, I, I don't appreciate. I mean, they'd be basically become co-opted by the left. They're not doing what their mission was years ago. However, they still do one thing well. They developed a very simple instrument to gauge what they define as extreme anti-Semitism. And it's a simple survey. Uh, they had an iteration in 2004, and then they changed it slightly in 2014. But it's basically the same principle. You present the respondent with 11 clear-cut anti-Semitic stereotypes. And if they agree with at least six of them, so the majority of them, they become an index case of extreme anti-Semitism. And I think it's a very appropriate uh, you know, operational definition. Wow. They, wow. they apply that all <laughs> over the world. So, for example, in, in the 2014 survey, they, they went to 100 countries. The 16 most anti-Semitic countries in that survey were all from the Middle East and North Africa. And the prevalence, the commonality of that degree of anti-Semitism, again, I think appropriately defined as extreme, was anywhere from 74 to 93%. Now, they also looked just in general in those 100 countries at Muslims as a religious group versus Hindus, Buddhists, Christians, uh, those professing no faith. And everywhere they looked, it was at least two to threefold more common to have this degree of, of anti-Semitism. They, they branched out and done surveys uh, in other regions like Western Europe. And now that there's a, a, a much larger Muslim diaspora population that can be you know, assessed reliably with, with valid statistical sampling, um, it's the same thing. It's not, thank goodness, it's not quite as high as the Middle East and North Africa. But for example, in the latest survey that they did um, they took a break for the, co the the pandemic, but then they came back and surveyed for the year 2022 and published the data last May in, in, in 23. And 62% of the Muslims of France have that degree of anti-Semitism now versus, you know, and Europe has its own history of uh, anti-Semitism versus only 15% of the of the French Christians. So I, I, I just, four, fourfold, fourfold. I, 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 wow. I, I just get it's so many things are, are racing through my head. We're coming up. So I don't I don't doubt that there's an elite that 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 doesn't think this way or or doesn't profess to think this way. Um, but they're gosh, they're really they're 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 they they may be the fringe uh, <laughs> uh, minority of extremists. You know, not 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 when you get population numbers like that. I'm 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 very like I said, I'm very used to polling data. You don't yeah. get numbers like that unless there's some sort of mass phenomenon going on. Well, okay, so I I have a number of questions, but we're at the end of this segment. I just I I'm just so many things are going through my head, uh, Andy. This has just been awesome. So everyone, this is Colonel. Rhett John with my special guest, Dr. Uh, Andy Bostom, and we're going to be right back here. ASEA believes that inside each of us is the potential to feel our very best. Our redox-based products tap into reserves within you to power your personal well-being. Make our breakthrough products an essential step in fulfilling your greatest potential. ASEA, we power potential. For exclusive savings, Use code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your first order today. You've all heard Dr. McCullough and others share over and over the value of keeping your sinuses cleansed. It's a smart move all year, but even more so when we're cooped up inside. It's not really open for debate any longer. Those that live smart and live well pay attention to nasal and oral hygiene. CofixRx has just the tools for the job with our nasal and throat cleanse. 
Click the CopixRx banner on americaoutloud.shop to get 20% off your entire order. That's right, americaoutloud.shop. Use coupon code OUTLOUD. That's coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off your entire order. Use CopixRx because it works. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Welcome back, everyone. This is Colonel Rhett John on the National Security Hour for America Out Loud News Network. Here with my uh, special guest, uh, Dr. Uh, Andy uh, Boston. Now, Andy, I, I just, I found this just absolutely fascinating. I got so many things going through my head. Let me give you several kind of rapid fire questions here. Um, and, and just some quick, quick responses. Um, okay. Uh, first of all, is there such a thing as a moderate Islamist? Uh, well, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm hard. It's, I'm hard pressed to. So, Islamist, the way it's come yeah, to I be probably used, shouldn't have said. I probably yeah, shouldn't have said Islamist. It's, it's I, supposed but, to be an extremist. From yeah. What I, so, is there is used. there somebody who is Islamic who can be considered a moderate and not a conquest? Not, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I can I can break it down this way for you. And again, it's not it's not uh, reassuring or elevating. But but the um, the Royal I think it's the Royal Islamic Institute of Strategic Studies in Amman, Jordan, um, put itself on the map uh, and it's and it still dubbed a, a moderate think tank. Uh, and uh, when if you recall, um, uh, um uh, Pope Benedict's Regensburg address, uh, which was very controversial, and and again it 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 talked about the inherent um, uh, bellicosity of, of of Muhammad and and thereby you know Islam and 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 it it, it triggered uh, a lot of pushback from the Muslim world and it sort of coalesced in, in what create in what became this center. Uh, and and calls and and the center has be has in Amman has has been at this at the forefront of of uh, Muslim Christian dialogue certainly you know ever, ever since then um, and every year out with something called the world's 500 most influential Muslims um, and the way they the way they again this is this is a this is an avatar of moderate Islam the way they categorize their brethren is. 90% are traditional Muslims, so they adhere to the Sharia, Islamic law, but they may not be um, particularly, com you know, compulsive, rigorous about their about their adherence. Um, Nine percent they define as being fundamentalist Salafists, which which are you know rigorously adherent to Islamic law, and then one percent they call modernists. And they describe how they've been around for over a century and that they have tried to um, dispense, basically, with, with Sharia, with Islamic law, uh, unsuccessfully for 100 years. And they're, and they're, and they're dealt with, with, by, with ridicule by, by the other 
90 plus 9 percent so there is hope so, there is one percent so, um, but so so yeah so the numbers are don't look good and um i don't i don't i mean that may be that may be an exaggeration in, in, in terms of the over but but again it's it's it, i mean i i actually see some poll those so those are their estimates i mean but if you go back uh, and I don't know if this has changed all that much. I, I guess change in the sense of, of of improving, but there was a really well done survey uh, of about four thousand Muslims going from um, Morocco to Egypt to Pakistan to uh, Indonesia. So going west to east across the Muslim world. So you have uh, Arab Muslims represented well with with Morocco and Egypt, the the largest Arab Muslim country. And then the two largest Muslim countries in terms of population in the world, uh, Pakistan and Indonesia. And uh, 75% of them wanted strict adherence to Islamic law. Mm -hmm. Two thirds of them wanted the recreation of a caliphate. Mm. So, well, so those are large numbers, but but you know, I mean, you could look at the look at look at the brighter side. You know, twenty five percent didn't want the Sharia, you know, and strictly applied. And, yeah, well, and a third I, didn't want a caliphate. I, I I really I this conversation, this show. I mean, I think this is a conversation that is required. Now, some might immediately call this is an Islamic phobe conversation. I think that's utterly unfair and incorrect and inaccurate. It's just, it, it's just data. Girl. And, and I've, I've, I've worked, I mean, Andy's worked from one angle. I've worked in, in the Islamic world. I've worked with, uh, is Islamic, uh, members of the military and security forces. And, and, uh, I just, a lot of interesting data points here. Um, I, I, there is something interesting about Islamophobia, yeah. Because because um, until until the modern, oh, very recently, I'd say until the last quarter century or so, um, it was basically, a, 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 and I think it still is in in in, in large quarter, uh, a, a an Islamic doctrine. In other words, in 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 the Quran, in the, in the eighth uh, surah, there's two verses that that talk about striking terror into yeah, the heart yeah. of the infidel and muhammad in a hadith says i have been made victorious through terror yeah uh, and that, and and so so the idea but 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 it's and when you look at it from the jurist perspective the reason the reason that's important is because the first and foremost it could spare muslim lives okay. by getting the enemy to submit with, without without the muslims having to to you know suffer so many casualties but it, but also could could preserve at least the basic lives of the non-Muslims who who if they just would submit would not be subjected to to slaughter. So so and that's the way the jurists describe it. I mean they don't just describe it in a completely triumphal way. Um, you know so so from from a from a from the jurist perspective from the classical Islamic perspective, it's it, there's something humane about that. You're, 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 the, the the terror tactics by a few are getting are getting the mission accomplished without sacrificing both Muslim and non-Muslim lives excessively. Mm. Well, well <laughs> oh, let me let me let me ask you another question here. So I, I take it away that uh, there's one percent who are moderate Muslim. Uh, we I want to talk. Uh, I want another question here. Um, how do I put this? 
Uh, no, I actually, we, actually, I think we, it's more than one. I think it's, I think it's more than one percent. By okay. I mean, certainly, po the polling data would tell us it's bigger than that. But sure, but you, you know, I got it. I got it. Uh, so let's. So this next question is: How do I put this? Um, in the early days of the war on terror, and yes, I use that expression. I have no people say, "Oh, that's how you can't say that." That's that's Islamic phobia. I'm said, "No, no, no." Oh no, God! No, 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 oh, no, oh! I thought you were gonna. I thought you were criticizing yourself. I was no, say, no, no, no. I, 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 I'm, it's, I totally it's just stand. Jihad. <laughs> yeah, I totally stand by that that term. No, no, uh, I, I didn't. I didn't like the war on terror. To be honest with you, I, I, I said, "Well, what do you mean? It's a, it's a jihad. So this is a counter jihad. I don't yeah. know." <laughs> well, so here's one of the data points. We, we we were seeing was that uh the polygraphing polygraphing you know those polygraphing the, of captured terrorists or? yeah that it didn't we were seeing this phenomenon where it was basically ineffective when uh, uh interrogating islamic extremists and and what is the is what is the term takia or something like yes, that yes yeah that, again a very a very respected doctrine yeah yeah so so this this I unfortunately the polygraph system is still used and in modern time the the, the people who fail polygraphs the most are actually uh, 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 evangelical Christians so you know they're zapping all the evangelical Christians and yet we have other people and let's say hey Ed Snowden I don't know I have no idea what Ed Snowden's faith background was he passed all his polygraphs right. um, so what the so what's going on here and uh, we we're fa we we're fine just the polygraph was not working and then also an adjunct question is I thought the Saudis had a very effective program and I can't remember what the name oh of they the were deprogramming yeah I I thought that program was excellent but you know that they, they just there's a lot of recidivism I, I'm, not, I'm not an expert on it but I thought there was a lot of recidivism well I think the program fell apart because in America I mean basically the counter the red green counterattack in American society basically oh, well. oh that's evil that's wrong and I go no actually the data was looking kind of good it was actually looking kind of good and I thought I applauded the Saudis for the program um, but I think they they kind of lost interest in it because we uh, as soon as Obama you know within a uh, I was in the White House, you know, end of Bush, beginning of Obama, and and by about the by about 2010, uh, the real Obama was coming out. The first couple of years, they kind of you couldn't figure out which way this guy was going. And hey, I'm a I'm a careerist. I, I take an oath of office to the Constitution. I'm going to carry out my professional duties. But by 2010, programs like that, you know, essentially the CIA was told, nah, no more, cut it out, no support, and. But I think the Saudi, I really applaud the Saudi. So first of all, real quick, we're about halfway through the segment. The idea of Takia and then the deprogramming activities. Oh, so so Takia, uh, Kitman, it's it's uh, it's a form of of uh, of religious dissimulation accepted. Um, it was it was um, in, in the, the Shiites. Uh, used it uh, initially as a form of self-preservation because they were persecuted by the Sunnis as a minority sect. Um, but but it's actually in both Shiite and and Sunni jurisprudence, um, it, it goes well beyond that. It, it it's another form of dawah actually. In other words, so you can you can whitewash these you know less than palatable elements of, of Islam, uh, particularly vis-a-vis -vis relations with non-Muslims. You can you can romanticize them, etc um as as a form of of of, of proselytization 
Uh, and that that also falls under the rubric of of takia. So again, it's another tool, real Islamization in in the end. But yeah, it does have a certain historical um, uh, connection to being being used at certain periods by the Shiites when they were being persecuted by their Sunni brethren. Um, and unfortunately, that has become the stereotypical broad brush application of it. But it's it, it's a doctrine that goes way beyond that, and again is 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 used in non-Muslim societies uh, to to um, to to balderize the you know the, the less pleasant aspects of, of of Islam and Islamic law as a means of of, of spreading Islam. And and then the Saudi program, um, which again uh, from my seat. I thought it was it was very effective, and I thought and I really again really applauded the Saudis. And also, back I want to give a shout out to the Jordanians. They have done incredible help for us. They, they don't want anybody to know about it, but they've been incredibly helpful. And uh, well, you have to. I mean, there's a certain self preservation aspect to this too yeah. that we we can't we can't overlook. But but so this the the deprogramming activities. Uh, I mean, do you think those were effective? And you you said a high rate of recidivism from from your. That's what I understand in terms of longer term follow up of the people that went through these programs. Uh, mm -hmm. There was, there was, but, but I, I'm not, I'm not really, I'll be honest with you, I'm not as familiar, but I do remember seeing some reports that there, there was some disappointment about the recidivism rate. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, you know, even if it was temporary, you know, even if it was, you know, a fifty percent recidiv recidivism right. rate, that's still fifty percent. Oh, oh yeah, it's better than it's better than a hundred percent staying. You know. Yeah you know, frothing at the mouth jihadis. Yeah. 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 And I think, I think a lot of the, well, I mean, as soon as the Obama administration clearly was uninterested in things like that, I think, boom, that, I mean, the Saudi said, well, okay, we'll just cut it out. Right. Um, right. So let's, uh, for the rest of the segment here, October 7th. Uh, and I think we, we know the butchery and the savagery of October 7th, but I'm almost more, curious about i mean what i'm shocked about is an american society the response and it and how it's become immediately and how some immediately will be cheering for the palestinians and what happened and and just the just the the in what we saw with university of pennsylvania with harvard you know it's like it's a very simple question you know it's um so what do you what do you think October seventh unleashed? What happened? Oh, I think it's been brewing a long time. So I, I made that comment about what Rodan Song said in 1974. So in terms of the academy, this has been going on. This this um, this this uh, the, the 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 anti colonial uh, left has has been has been. Um, using what now we know is more it, 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 the DEI, you know, that, that's the modern contemporary parlance for it. But, but this idea of, of, uh, of um, uh, benighted uh, victims of colonization and the colonizers on the, on the other hand, that that's been going on. It's very anti-Western and that's been going on for generations now. Um, and then again, what Rodan Son noticed was that uh, somehow even though Islam has this, you know, frankly, very proud tradition of of, of of imperialism and conquest and colonization, it was it was given it was airbrushed and and uh, and 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 made uh, noble 
uh, mm-hmm. where it was only Western colonialism that was... Well, that was, that well was, in, it, just in the United States, we had just this outpouring of anti-Semitism that I, oh, yeah. I don't... I don't know how well, else so to I, explain it. Yeah, I, I think it. I think well, DEI does that because because uh, these are Israeli Jews that are you know they, they again it's it's so it's so um, historically socially uh, uh, divorced from reality and and dishonest. Uh, you know, more than half the Israeli population are are native Jews now, uh, Jews Jews that are indigenous to the, to the Middle East. Uh, and they, they are the majority of Jews in, in Israel now uh, versus the Ashkenazi Jews. Uh, and, and in fact, all, all Jews still trace genetically their origins in, in the Middle East when, where genetic studies have been done. Um, and and uh, it, 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 then, of course, you, know, you, you have Jews like Yemenite Jews and Ethiopian Jews. Uh, the Ethiopian Jews are Af- very African and the Yemenite Jews are very, very dark and Africanish, <laughs> I would say. Um, and, and all this, you know, is is swept under the carpet. I mean, is, Israel is is one of the most diverse countries actually in 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 the, in the Middle East. Um, but 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 again, they're all they're all tarred with the brush brush of being European and colonial, and only the uh, the, the the Palestinian Arabs are indigenous to the region, etc. Uh, so there's that. So that fits in. And, uh, you know, there's there's uh, uh, Zionism in particular, which is just, you know, the desire for a, a homeland for for Jews is 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 a is a is a nationalism that is verboten uniquely as opposed to Arab nationalisms in the region or, you know, other nationalisms around the world. Um and and so that 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 is that is demonized at the collegiate level in a way that's going to breed uh, anti-Semitism, and then the other the fact is that there are large Muslim populations on a lot of these campuses now, and the Muslim student organizations uh, are intimately tied to Hamas, to Islamic Jihad, uh, on the on the far left to the to the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine. So they're the Marxists. Uh, and and those are usually the the ringleaders in in what you're seeing take place on these campuses, mm. and they've been allowed they've been allowed to run amok until just very recently, where they've finally been been challenged. But this has been going on. I mean, the Muslim student associations began actually in the 1960s, and mm. they've always been rooted in Muslim Brotherhood type ideology and even organizations. Wow, I just Andy, I I, I just find this absolutely fascinating. Um, uh, we're at the end of this segment. Uh, we'll be right back. Uh, this is Colonel Rhett John with my uh, special guest, Dr. Uh, Andy uh, Boston. Many voices, one freedom, united in the First Amendment. Our goal is to herald the voice of genuine liberty at AmericaOutloud.news. A place where you'll find the naked truth expressed with a patriotic heart. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all.
Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order, risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. Welcome back, everyone. This is Colonel Rhett John, the National Security Hour. My special guest, Dr. Andy uh, Bostom. And uh, I, I am just finding this uh, one of the most fascinating conversations because I don't I've had to deal with is, Islamic extrema, extremism. I don't consider myself a scholar uh, of this topic area. So this has just been fascinating. Now, um, there was the early days of the war on terror, there was a, a spirit, a, a good spirit that we were defending America and we were defending against extremists. There was no problem saying that, but over time, that term and that attitude began to erode. And I think a lot of it was this counterattack of you're just Islam phobia. And I don't, I don't want to, I'm not going to bring up a name, but even, and I realized there was, this is how I got to meet Frank Gaffney, but even inside the Bush administration, there were some that were, uh, were Islamic and there's nothing wrong with that. We, nothing wrong with that. We're a diverse country. And you're right here in Prince William County. We have a couple of mosques. We have, and a number of the members of the mosque are part of the county GOP and have held debates there and they're, they're they're fine and wonderful and you know i consider them you know hey we're all we're all on the same team but there was this counterattack where identifying islam as the problem islamic extremists became unacceptable and and how did we get to that trajectory and and that place uh i i think it i think it actually started with unfortunately with president bush um, you know, I mean, when he came out, I, I'll never forget, there was a really funny um, in, in, sort of in, interaction of a kind. So Bush, you know, goes and makes his famous thing, you know, a religion of peace statement. And I'll never forget this because there was there was a full throated jihadist, Abu Qatada. I'll never he was he was a, I think he's Palestinian, but he was in the UK at the time. And he was outraged that 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 Bush was calling Islam a religion of peace from his perspective as a jihadist, because mm. jihad is a very proud institution. And what and he said, what does he know about, about Islam? You know, we we have this tradition of, of jihad and, that, and that's what we're doing. You know, so well, don't tell me it's a religion of peace. <laughs> and it was just the, the contrast was was striking where you got this this honest statement 
from from a jihadist. And I don't know who I, I, I there was a guy. Oh, yeah, there was this guy Forte, I, I, I believe, who was brought in from uh, was it uh, um, one, one of the one of the universities in, in Ohio. Uh, and and what what he was trying to and he was very effective early on in convincing Bush that uh, what what um, what Al Qaeda represented was uh, a, a a unique uh, distortion of, of Islam that that did not exist before except maybe you know amongst the Wahhabi sect etc uh, and uh, every everything else was copacetic. Okay, and, you know, and 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 so and so that I think that kind of shaped things early on. You could speak, at least when I when I when I actually spoke in the Pentagon, you could go through the doctrine of jihad, the historical classical jurist juristic doctrine of jihad. But then I wanted to give them a practical example, like how is it playing out? And instead of you know talking about the nine eleven attacks. I spoke about the jihad against Israel, and that made them really uncomfortable. Hmm. Made them really uncomfortable uh, because that was supposed to be, I don't know, Arab nationalism versus Jewish nationalism, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, no, this is this is a jihad. It, in fact, in many respects, as we see now, it's 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 it, with October seventh, et cetera. It's the mother of all jihads. Uh, and 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 you could see even early on. This was about two thousand six. That was something that made the the people inside the Pentagon very very un uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, and, and, I, and I, I I've been trying to sort that out for all these intervening years. Yeah, I, I I don't I don't want. Again, America's diverse. We're accepting of all religions. That's 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 in our constitution. But yeah, there's there's um, there's a difference between being diverse and 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 being. We always say truth to power, speaking truth to power. We have to be honest about honest exactly. about these things. Look, so 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 everyone now recognizes. First of all, in terms of in terms of um, and I and I and I hate looking at Holocaust analogies until October seventh, because mm -hmm. in fact it is true. That on October seventh, more Jews were killed in a single day than any day since the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so it 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 does sort of fit in with these with these analogies. Um, and in fact, in terms of per capita terror incidents, it was it was I think uh, several fold greater per capita because Israel is a small country than than fifty years worth of of single day terrorist activities. So obviously 9-11 here, you know, 3,000 were killed, but, you know, we're a country of 300 million. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so per capita that that and this was the, 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 the CSIS did this analysis uh, and showed that it was it was it was quite a bit higher than any than, than anything that happened in the, in the last 50 years in terms of per capita death toll. But what's what, what's alarmed me, um, Colonel, is that in the aftermath, there was this mega poll done. Uh, of 8,000 Arab Muslims across 16 countries in the Middle East and North Africa. And um, I looked at the methodology. It was very solid methodology. And the sample, according to the investigators, represents literally 95% of the Arab Muslim world. 
uh, 90%, not 88, but rounding it, 90% um, felt that that the uh, October 7th uh, uh, attack was, was justified. Wow. And, and 90%, because this, this fluctuates, but now we're in a period where it's not good, uh, 90% uh, do not think that Israel should be recognized as as a as a as a, as a state. So, wow. Wow. You know, so 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 we have we and again that latter figure I think you know can fluctuate with situations if there's if there's tension certainly if there's war going on it's it's going to be it's going to be worse. Um, but but. Um, you know the, these are and 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 then historically, and I'm just talking about modern history. Um, getting back to Al Azhar University again, the Sunni Vatican equivalent. I you can trace an arc to that fatwa that I mentioned that came out October 19th of this of 2023. Going back to the the day the partition plan was announced and accepted by the Jews of, of Palestine in 1947 and uniformly rejected by the Arabs. Right after that, Al-Azhar issued a fatwa calling for a global jihad against, again, there wasn't a nation yet, so it was it was the Jews of, of, of Palestine. Twice in 1948, when the, when the war broke out, at the beginning of the independence war and at the end, another fatwa for the entire global Muslim community to destroy the state. Again, in 1956, about nine months before the Sinai War would break out, Al-Azhar issued the same sort of fatwa. And this was one of the more interesting ones, because in that fatwa, it said that the Jews of that region are not entitled to an autonomous government on any piece of historical Palestine, because that was conquered by jihad, and it's a permanent part of the, of the, of the global Muslim territories. Um, so they, it didn't matter what the armistice borders were. Con those, uh, conquered by this by concept. This is, you know, uh, the rush again. But if, after you know sixty-seven, uh, <clears throat> prior to sixty-seven, you see the same sort of uh, issuance from from Al Azhar and and seventy-three. So it, there's a continuum of about seventy-five years now of these types of of, of religious edicts that that are not just calling upon. The, the Palestinian Muslims and or the Jordanian Muslims or the Egyptian Muslims, they're talking about the whole global Ummah Muslim community to join in this jihad. And, 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 and that was the kind of thing that, again, as far, even in 2006, when it was when I lectured, because I was pointing out to, you know, these kinds of these kinds of, of, of historical events and and, and data from, from that period. And, and there had been a conference in Putrajaya of the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, which basically said the same thing around 2003. These were the kinds of things that made people very, very uncomfortable, including inside the Pentagon, because mm -hmm. they had been trained to look at this. Look, if you deal with Palestinian nationalism and you deal with with Israeli nationalism, it's it's a it's one of these nationalistic conf, uh, conflicts, and it can be diffused. But when you when you put the 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 broader context in, and 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 just on the basis of what's been pronounced, um, that made people very uncomfortable. Well, you know, I always uh, and I was many years I was in this in the special operations community in both. Uh, psychological operations and civil affairs the uh um you always have to when you deal with let's say saudi arabia 
but any any Arab Islamic country, you have to look at them through three lenses. There, it's like a kaleidoscope to make sense out of it. It's you have to look at through the 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 lens of nationalism, the lens of family and tribe, mm-hmm. and and the lens of Islam. And the Ebola, yeah. So Islam is the dominant one, but those other two add add uh, have input also. But to make, but there's there's this constant these three rings to understand who you're dealing with and what is driving them. You always have to look at them through these 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 rotating three lenses. And I think half the time they themselves can't figure out which lens they're supposed I, to be I, using. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think sometimes you know, you, like you look. I'll give you an example. I mean, look at look at some of the Bedouin within within Israel. Mm-hmm. They 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 were beset by these Hamas atrocities too, and they have gone back. They want to be let loose to go and 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 eye for an eye against against Hamas. You know that, and that's at the very basic tribal level. It has mm-hmm. nothing. I don't even think it's religious at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all Muslims. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so you're right. I mean, there are these other factors, but but my perspective has tried to look. And what's because I think you know the if we're going to look at at, at larger uh, uh, trends and and, and solutions uh, and and we ignore uh, the the religious component um, I, I don't I don't think it's ever going to stop and in fact that's why I was saying you know at the beginning that I think it's it's it, we're at the point where it's the responsibility of non-Muslims particularly religious and political leaders. To not let these statements from an Al-Azhar University or from the seminaries of Qom uh, go uh, unchallenged, mm-hmm. that, that has to stop. I don't. It, it's not polite to to ignore yeah. you know, calls for genocide. <laughs> well, I, I think this has been. I've been shocked at the outpouring of anti-Semitism, but I've also let me, uh, you know, let's just say John Fetterman of Pennsylvania. Uh, <laughs> Not exactly somebody I, I was a big fan of, but I have just been so impressed at his, you know, he just says, this is the way it is. And he's not backing down. And everybody, no, no, everybody's. And, 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 and I, and I, I, I had assumed that he might have had some, some, uh, you know, some, some uh, Jewish family connections or anything like, no, he's, he's not, he's not, he doesn't have Jewish background. Yeah, I've been very uh, impressed by his stand. I mean, he is, he is a profile in courage. I never thought I'd be saying that, but he is. Uh, Absolutely. Well, he's, he's also become. It's interesting as he's recovered since since his stroke. He's also become very dubious about other things now in in the movement that he aligned himself with. Yeah. He's quite a progressive. Yeah, I, I'm very impressed with him. But I mean, he he was a a, a man of principles, a, a guy in a, a, in a hoodie and shorts walking around the Senate. But I've, I've been very impressed. But also the uh, abject failure of uh university presidents upan and harvard uh you know, you know it's just and 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 there's been several who's the gentleman who's really been leading the uh he's a he's a uh um you know made made a fortune in the hedge fund world uh a big donor to uh oh oh bill uh i'm blanking on his name yes yes he was a he was a billionaire donor yeah, to, to, yeah to, but i'm very very impressed with them yeah, and yeah. it's really 
it's but, but, but you know i think that there's too much attention perhaps to to what's going on at the universities because like i said it's been going on at the universities for generations now in terms yeah yeah but i think it's been uh, healthy uh, to to fully expose it for what it is and i don't think but it's i think ever been but i think there's a there's a there's a there's a layer below i i i wrote i wrote a piece back in in 2010 about because uh, my wife and i were the beneficiaries of region scholarships in in new york state those are academic achievement scholarships for high school students, which provide money to go to college. Hmm. And both of us got set on our career trajectories, which ultimately wound up being medicine, with the with the from you know benefiting from that merit scholarship money, and uh, and we both went to state universities, um, and uh, or, or city universities, and. The history regents, I found out through a through a an educator uh, who actually gave me the grading key and all kinds of background materials, and I wrote about this, um, had had been turned into um, this exercise in DEI back mm -hmm. then, mm -hmm. and kids were gonna the kids would be graded negatively if they basically didn't re uh, reiterate this this very Christianophobic. Uh, history, you know, mm -hmm. an endlessly persecuting religion, particularly to Jews, um, brutal conquests of South America, etc. And Islam was completely benighted. Yeah, completely uh. benighted. and they had to re and they had to get a good grade. They had to repeat that narrative. Yeah, and, and, and so I think this starts earlier than college. Wow, wow. Um, okay, this this has been absolutely. Uh, uh, Andy, just absolutely fascinating. Uh, we're 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 at the end of our period here. I want real quick. Uh, how do they get you? Uh, how do they get to your writings? Uh, what, what's your social oh, media? Okay, so I'm very I'm very active for for better or for worse. I'm very active on Twitter at just okay. at Andrew Boston or X. It's called now. And then in terms everything that I write will initially appear at my blog, which is just Andrew Boston dot uh, org. Okay, and then your your new book, Islamic Antisemitism. How how do the, how do people get to that? Amazon. All my books are are, are, are at Amazon. I have five okay. books. They're all available at Amazon. Okay, Andy. Hey, thank you very much for your time. I I, I just I kind of threw the script out of the window because I just I just enjoyed this so much. I was just learning so much. So, Andy, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Take care.